From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for May 26th, 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Kathy Whirling, Walter Eccles, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Max the intern, back in the peanut gallery, waving to people that are listening to an audio show. That's, uh, that's good, Max. That's really good. Don't use the mic sitting next to you by any, by any means. Um, in this week's show, Kevin Close will have his review of the Bull and Bear Steakhouse at the Waldorf Astoria. I will have my review of the All-Star Music Resort. Yes, I actually stayed at the All-Star Music Resort because that was the question I got asked about 700 times. You're, <laughs> you're going to stay at the All-Star? And uh, we'll discuss this year's Star Wars weekends, including Dave Parfit's great interview with D. Bradley Baker, one of the voice actors from the Clone Wars uh, movie, animated whatever. <laughs> um, all that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. I can't help it, but when you say that, it makes me think of the quote from Big Bang Theory. I prefer to let George Lucas disappoint me in the order in which he chooses. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a few items for housekeeping. Whose computer is making noise? That would be mine. Okay. Well, I, I just volume down. It's done. Okay. I've muted it. Good for you. A um, couple things. Uh, first of all, we need to issue a correction from last week's show. I had said that the Fantasmic Dinner Package could not use the Disney Dining Plan, and I was incorrect. It can use the Disney Dining Plan. I wanted to make sure I got that out there because I was flooded. Six or seven hundred people. Right. Yes. <laughs> we made a mistake, people. I, I, apologize. I, you know, I, heard, I don't know where I heard it, but I distinctly remember hearing at one point that you could not, which is why I had said that, but I, I was wrong, so I apologize. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that was corrected. You can use a Disney dining plan and with a should. fantastic dinner package, and you, and you should, absolutely. Um. Also, I, I want to take an opportunity to give kudos to the guest relations team at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios. I've had two interactions with them now, both regarding my, uh, my, my premiere pass. And each time, because it's a you know, relatively rare pass for them to come across, the first time it was getting it activated, the second time it was renewing it. And it took them a little while to figure out exactly what it is they had to do. And... You know, neither time was it a, a ridiculously long process, or was you know was it was it bad in any way, shape, or form? I was not the least bit upset yet. You know, we, the first time we got f- fast passes because we had to wait. This time we got fast passes because we had to wait, and, and we got two cream. two free ice creams. Mm. <laughs> yes, um, and it was and it was absolutely. It wasn't like I was the least. And I kept saying to the guy, "It's really, it's not necessary. I'm fine. It's." Whatever you got to do, that's fine. But he was insistent on it. His name was Kelvin. Uh, interestingly Kelvin, enough, yeah. you rarely come across wow. Kelvins. And, um, How many fast passes did you get? Four, four. Two for each of us. Of course, I can't use them at Hollywood Studios because he won't go on anything. Can't use them on Toy Story Mania. Mm. So, oh. you know, rock and roller coaster, he's not going to go on. You could have gone on Voyage of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he would do twice. Um, 
But uh, so I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, because I'm the first one to criticize if we have a bad cast member. I got to say, just everybody in there, everyone we've dealt with, really first rate, first rate. They go so far out of their way. And like you said, you weren't upset. You were just saying, you know, I know it takes a while, you know, whatever. When it's you cool. get to I it, that's was fine. no rush. Was I was fine. And we then they having... keep coming back saying, oh, here's fast passes, here's ice cream. We're like, well, no, we're good, we're good. It's okay. like, you know, like in, the, in the guest relations uh, cast members in particular, they deal with so many crabby people on, a, on an average oh, day. So yeah. it, it's nice that they. Well, I also know that, that smile. <laughs> yeah, I also know that, which is one of the reasons why, unless they're being rude, which I don't think I've ever kind of recall a time I've had a rude uh, guest relations person. But um, you know, if, if if they're if I see that they're you know they're working and they're trying to fix something or make something happen, I also understand the issues with the premiere pass that it is a relatively rare pass to come across and it's very new, and uh, so that was cool. That was fine. But uh, just wanted to make uh, give a shout out. Also, I want to remind everyone that we uh, we're, we're trying to fill up this Adventures by Disney trip. Um, we're uh, we're not there yet. We need thirty people. We're not there yet. We're not exactly close, but we're not exactly far. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that narrows it right down. You might go. You might not go. Yeah, basically, uh, this is for July 25th. On the Backstage Magic Tour, we are having breakfast at Club 33. That is guaranteed for this trip. So if you want a shot at getting into Club 33, this is a great way to do it. It's a great tour. Uh, details can be found on the show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. Uh, there's a link there for you to sign up. And uh, we have one other thing. Well, before I get to this, anybody else have anything for housekeeping? Yeah, David Parfit's a big guy. He admitted on the boards that he was wrong about the way you pronounce Kenneth Kenneth Brenna's name. And I just wanted to say he's a big guy for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else? Anything else for housekeeping? All right. We have two podcast cruises to give away this week from our Magic in the Med uh, promotion. We, uh, we said we were going to give away a podcast cruise to someone who was following us on Facebook. We're also going to give away a podcast cruise to someone who signed up for our newsletter. And so let's start with the person from Facebook, Corey, who is the winner? Uh, selected completely at random. His name is Andrew Singer. Andrew Singer, congratulations. You'll be joining Yay. us. You will be joining us on the podcast cruise, December 12th, four-night cruise, uh, going out of Port Canaveral on the Disney Wonder. We have a great lineup of celebrities joining us on that cruise so congratulations and for the uh winner of the mailing list the name we selected was george gensler goes by the name my trips and races on the boards congratulations congratulations you are also joining us on this fabulous cruise for four nights so all twenty of us, exactly. <laughs> it's you two and seven hundred other people. <laughs> really. So congratulations uh, to both uh, to both of you. And uh, with that, we're going to turn it over to John for the news. Our first news story is Orlando is the most visited destination in two thousand nine. The Metro Orlando area welcomed forty six point six million visitors in two thousand nine, making it the most visited U.S. destination of the year according to a new report by D.K. Shiflett and Associates. I think they were all on iDrive the other day. <laughs> <laughs> They're always in front of me 
is where they are. The numbers represent a 4.7% decrease as compared with 2008, marking a much stronger performance than the earlier forecast. Domestic travel represented 93% of Orlando's total visitors in 2009, with 43.3 million visitors. Wow. International travel, which includes overseas countries and Canada, totaled nearly 3.3 million visitors. They felt the need to explain international? Well, they also wanted to say included Canada. Oh. Uh, the top international market for 2009 was Canada with 865,000 visitors. It's the Lang's fault. The se- <laughs> they're the most spent. <laughs> they spent the they most were cash. here the longest. <laughs> the second largest number of international visitors came from the United Kingdom with 831,000. T.K. Shiflett said the United Kingdom still represented 35% of all overseas visitors and remained Orlando's largest overseas origin. That kind of goes without saying. So I think it's interesting that even with a decrease, Orlando was number one. Well, because number two for the longest time was Las Vegas, and they took a beating. They took an absolute beating. Yeah. Uh, So... You know, yeah, Orlando can be expensive, but, you know, Vegas, you're just gambling your money, so... And our buildings are complete over here. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. But, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the 2009 numbers beat the forecast, because they were really forecasting a, a, a horrible year last year, and it wasn't as bad as they thought. And 2010 is actually shaping up pretty good. Um, I know we're seeing it on this end. So um, I'm thinking that, you know, in a lot of ways, it seems like the worst of it's over. And again, we talked about this last week with Disney deciding to go move forward with the Art of Animation Resort. A clear signal from them that they feel the same way. So and that's just good news for that's good news for everybody. It's funny because all year we've been reporting uh, hotel occupancy down, hotel revenue down. And to find out we were the most visited city says a lot for where travel was last year. Yeah. So people must perceive Orlando as a good value. Well, it is. I mean, it really is. And, uh, you know, we'll get to it in my my review of the All-Star Music, but that's really kind of what came through for me in that review was, you know, there there are ways to have this experience and, you know, not not, not break the bank. Mm -hmm. So. Isn't it crazy that it's 43.3 million domestic out of 46 million people total? I thought it would be more international visitors. I did too. Especially with their with the Euro being so strong last year. Right. I don't know. Maybe DK Shiflet's wrong. Could be. <laughs> I wonder what the DK stands for. Donkey Kong. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> and our second news story is Disney gives one point two million dollars to Central Florida children. Disney has earmarked one. Just handed it to them? Yeah, just. <laughs> Here you go. It was one child in Central Florida. It was all done at Blizzard Beach, too. Here, little boy. Disney has earmarked $1.2 million to support 57 children's charities throughout the Orange, Osceola, Seminole, Lake, and Polk counties through its Helping Kids Shine grants. This year's grants expand. They were irradiating them. <laughs> Helping kids glow. <laughs> they shine from the inside. This year's grants expand on the $700,000 donated by the Walt Disney World Resort in 2009. Disney says the various recipients most closely closely meet the company's goals of helping to improve children's lives by fostering connections with adults, character development, the construction constructive use of free time, and compassion for others. Which explains why I didn't get any money. (laughs) (laughs) Among the grant recipients, Disney is continuing to support the Boys and Girls Clubs, A Gift for Music, 
Coalition for the Homeless and Big Brothers Big Sisters. Good for them. Yeah, that's real nice. Well, yeah, I, like I, I've, I've said multiple times, there's one area I'm, that Disney can never be criticized on, and that's the amount they give back to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, and this is a drop in the bucket between the volunteers program, which is the cast members. And well, this is what I'm talking about. Is there's so many, you know, it's on so many levels, and it's so diverse throughout the throughout the uh, the company. It doesn't matter. It's not just World. It's you know, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, everywhere that Disney is, there is something that they're doing. And the give-a-day, get-a-day program yeah. this year? What a huge success that was. What a massive success that was. So, yeah, good for them. And our final story, John Stamos goes to, John Stamos goes to Disneyland, sees naked people. Okay. On May 20, 2010, the website Zimbio.com reported that actor John Stamos was staying at his favorite hotel, Disney's Grand Californian, and a fire broke out. He and the other guests were evacuated from the hotel at about 8.40 a.m., and some were apparently a little little more or less dressed for the fiasco. The 46-year-old was apparently in in the company of some very naked people after being escorted out of the hotel as a precautionary measure. Walter. Really? <laughs> I would at least grab a towel. My God. Yeah. He tweeted, and I quote, Fire evacuation from my fave hotel, Grand Californian at Disney. Saw nakedness I shouldn't have seen. <laughs> was there no other news? Really? I just thought was it was a, a funny was story. A slow news week. <laughs> I thought it was a funny story. We usually do so many with numbers and things like that. I thought it was cute. But how many naked people were there? <laughs> exactly. 8.6% more than last time you saw naked people. How many of them were British? This is the power of now Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can just say anything you want to say. Yeah. But if you if you had tweeted that, nobody would care, right? But John Stamos says it, and everybody's well. He's also got probably hundreds of thousands of followers. Was he on naked? <laughs> See, now <laughs> that would have been a story. That didn't, they didn't say that. They just said others were naked. And it's I don't know. People put a towel on. Yeah, really. Put a robe yeah, on. Couldn't you grabbed a sheet off the bed as you were running? Well, I'm doubting that they were like butt naked completely. But he's saying naked. I don't know. Naked. More naked, naked than they should have been. Maybe just you know, oh, right, your underwear, like a thong or something. Who knows? <laughs> that's worse than being naked. Yeah, that was a that was a slow news week, had John. No, come on, that's a funny it was, story. It was cute. All right. Well, thank you very and much. Only like a couple weeks after we were there. I know. Can you imagine? I know. Probably wasn't a real fire either, because when we were having lunch at Club 33, we were evacuated because of uh, the construction was making the fire alarms go off. So I don't think it was a real fire. Let's hope not. I was in a hotel once that had a fire. You know how they have like silk plants by the elevators a lot of times? And somebody put their cigarette out in there and put up the... No. (laughs) But I, I made sure I took my camera outside so I could get pictures of everybody being evacuated. Looking for naked people or what? No, just, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> I'll get them. I'll get them. I'm ready. All right. Click, click, click. <laughs> That's the sound of iPods being shut off. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, John. We're going to move on from the news to Rapid Fire. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead, Kathy Worley. I have Worley. a really cool story, and I want to see if anybody else knows this story. On June 1st, they're changing the name of the carousel at Magic Kingdom. It's now going to be called the Prince Charming, uh, 
Prince Charming's Regal Carousel is now going to be the name. Okay, then Prince Charming is gay. <laughs> if he's now, got a carousel. Now, do you know what the backstory is to the carousel? I never heard this before, but there's a whole story that goes with it. I'm seeing blank faces. Yep. Nobody's yeah, heard this. Much. What was the name of it before? It was Cinderella's carousel, wasn't the it? Golden. Wasn't it the Golden? Cinderella's Golden. Yeah. Did he get it in the divorce settlement? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Following their fairy tale romance and happily ever after wedding, Cinderella and Prince Charming took up residence in Cinderella's castle. With peace throughout the kingdom, Prince Charming had time to practice for jousting tournaments. In the countryside near the castle, he built a training device of carved horses on which he could practice the art of ring spearing, a tournament event in which a knight rides his horse full speed, lance in hand, toward a small ring hanging from a tree limb with the object of spearing the ring. This event was known by various names throughout the lands, but generally came to be called carousel. The carousel device drew the attention of the villagers who wanted to take a turn on this amazing spinning contraption. So Prince Charming had a second carousel constructed closer to the castle where everyone could take a spin on this wondrous invention. Instead of a working knight's training device, however... This new carousel is more befitting its royal location in the castle courtyard. Its rustic training horses replaced with ornately decorated prancing steeds adorned with golden helmets and shields, flower garlands, feathers, and other festoons. Prince Charming invites one and all to test their horsemanship skills and to enjoy their own happy ending. That's gay. <laughs> and you made it through with a straight face. That was very good. I don't have enough festoons. That's team. I'm personally waiting for my happy ending. When do you get a Vegas for that? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Kathy. Walter? Mine's not quite as riveting as Kathy's. It says, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter gets an NBC special. On Sunday, June 6th at 7 p.m., NBC will present a half-hour special, The Making of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Viewers can expect to explore the inside of Hogwarts Castle and the streets of Hogmeade. Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade. We had to practice. We had to practice this like forty-three times before the show. We still got it wrong. Is that Harry Hospital? Is that Harry Potter's Hospital? Hogsmeade. <laughs> Anywho, no, he said Hogmed. All right, Hogsmeade. It was from it, it was from Saudi Arabia. Hogmed. There will also be a sneak preview. A sneak preview. Oh wait. The third time's a charge. A charm, Walter. Come on. Preview. None of us can. Okay, everyone. Apparently, we're having a group stroke. (laughs) Preview at the groundbreaking technology that will forever change theme parks attractions experiences. Come see the new ride. Hogmed. We're gonna meet Hogmed. Hogmed. Come see if you can fit in our ride. Yeah, really. He comes to Hogwarts via Abu Dhabi, apparently. There's a whole article about it in Entertainment Weekly, and they pretty much said the same thing uh, Dave Parfit said, word for word. It was like they listened to his report. The uh, There's only one new ride. Two of them are rehabbed. Uh, which, which is what, I'm sorry, I've been saying for, I, know. I don't know, six months now. But I'm just saying, it's funny. That, and he said, they said the- They took uh, it from Dave Parfit. They didn't take it from me. They didn't. They don't listen to you. They had um, the walkways in the stores were very small. Um, well, they had those six people there from it, and they filled up one of the stores. Right. So I think this is what's left a, an impression on the people who are there for power. Are you kidding me? There was another, I think wow. it was Ingenue magazine, 
commented and said pretty much the same thing, but they were calling it, it's a theme park. So, again, right. you're going to have all those people stop that. that yeah. uh, I tell you, that will end up haunting them. And that, Entertainment Weekly actually said Harry, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter costs $79 per day. It says right in the article. <laughs> no, you, you, well, this is, you know what? Uh, I've been saying it. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to the shows. Have David Parfit say it. Um, yeah, really. The uh, over expectation by by branding it a theme park within a theme park, you just set yourself up for this. It's not. It's it is island. not going to be a theme park within a theme park. It's just not. It's another land inside islands of attraction, and I think. Yeah. I, what I what I call it? Islands, Islands of Attraction. <laughs> That's where John goes. Towards happy endings. Oh, sorry. That's the magnetic land. <laughs> Islands of Attraction. Oh my God! Oh, what what the hell's going on today? Islands of Adventure. It's another land within Islands of Adventure. Uh, either way, we're gonna have our uh, we're gonna have our full report on uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter next Monday, the thirty first. Labor Day or Memorial Day. Uh, we are going to be there on the 28th for the, I guess, what amounts to the soft opening. We have the Harry Potter package. So we're going to be at Portofino Bay and going into Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I will be, uh, I will be posting on my Facebook page. God you can, bless you. I can just see the crowds. Are you looking forward to that or not? Oh, yeah, in a big way. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's why we're going to be over there. Let me tell you right now, we're going to be there at like 5 o'clock in the morning to check in. That's a Friday. It doesn't sound like you are. You're not looking forward to your (laughs) peewee? Preview? Preview. Preview. (laughs) I think it's just going to be hellishly crowded. I mean, it should be fun, but you know it's just going to be... (laughs) That almost got coffee sped. (laughs) Walter's getting his preview of Hogmed. Um... So uh, this is going to um, get an explicit rating. I just want you. <laughs> I can tell already. So yeah, so that will be Monday. That show will go up Monday. Our Universal, or as we're calling it, the Not Disney Show, um, for this month is going up on Monday. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Hogmed, our preview of Hogmed, <laughs> let it go. Oh no! Oh no! I'm going to beat this until it's dead. We're going to put it in the um, show notes. <laughs> so but uh should be interesting yeah i am very are you kidding of course i'm looking forward to this i have been waiting for this for since they announced it so for years now i have been waiting for this and i i'll you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna go in and i'm gonna be fair but i i'm i'm i won't lie i'm pulling for him here i really am i'm pulling for him i want this to work they deserve the success they really do and I, I want to see this work for them. I hope they have not shot themselves in the foot um, with this marketing and the bizarre public relations choices they've been making. No, John, the, uh, the the article that you read, did it say anything about the ride? Any indication of what the ride's going to be like? No, because it, and it even said this. It said we weren't allowed on the ride. Oh. And we said we saw the queue, and the queue will be an hour long. i got to tell you something. The fact that they're not letting anybody on it, in my mind, that doesn't say good things. That's like when they make a movie and they won't let the critics review it. 
it's one of those things that you think either that or they know they've got something extraordinary and they want to wait for the opening. It's possible, but doesn't it kind of put a doubt in your mind the fact that they won't let anybody on it to pre-sell no, it? I, I, honestly, no. Oh, see, it does. Mean, no, it does. The groundbreaking. So I just I think it's not. It's, I just think it's not done. I, I think, think I'm with you, John. I think they're tying up some loose ends right yeah. now. Yeah, I think and so. I don't think it's like oh, it's never going to work. Not done. I just think they've. Just well, they let it. the uh, they let the stars of mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, uh, on on the ride because there were, there were pictures and video. Yeah, we have it on the blog. Dave did the a blog ride. about it. Yeah, so we'll see. All right, thank you, Walter. Corey Patrick. I created a new Facebook page for the Diz specifically for posting um, food pictures. Max is tap. Uh, Max the dog is tap dancing. Apparently, um, it's a uh, Disney food porn. And for those of you who are getting all crazy about the name, this name has been around for years and years and years on the Diz. So it's uh, a place for Dizzers to come and post their food pictures. With the the name of the location and the menu item, uh, we already have 750 people on this page. Uh, <laughs> I received um, several messages from people on the Diz Facebook page that they weren't really happy about seeing food pictures showing up in their news feed. So, due to guest demand, <laughs> uh, I created a Disney uh, a Disney food porn page. So, if you like it, go join it. If you're into looking at pictures of Disney food. It's it's fun. I was looking at it all day Sunday. It's a trip. It is cool. Thank you, Corey. Kevin Close. Uh, I just found out today that the new or the uh, documentary about the Sherman Brothers. Th- the name of the movie is The Boys. Is out. I saw it on iTunes. You can't buy it on iTunes, but you can rent it. And usually, when it's on iTunes, it's in other outlets also. So you'll probably be able to get it at Blockbuster or um, through Amazon as a direct download or something. Max is doing his Ann Miller imitation. I'm telling you, he's 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 working the table. He's just he's all over the place today. So that's my that's it. It's available now. I know there were um, it showed in major cities. I know L.A. had it and um, New York City had it, but I don't think we ever got it here. So I'm very excited about getting a chance to see it. Any news on that Waking Sleeping Beauty movie? I want to. See I that. haven't seen that one out yet. Um, that I'd love to see. I, see that too. Mm, I would too. What do they do? Pelter with rocks. <laughs> Hello, Sleeping Beauty. Wake up. <laughs> the whole movie's about. <laughs> Uh, also, um, along those lines about documentaries and things like that, uh, Mary Mouseketeer, Michael Bowling, has posted a couple of different threads on the Diz Unplugged board about events in July. There's a couple of events coming up for Disneyland's 55th anniversary. Can you believe the 50th anniversary was five years ago already? No. Doesn't that seem it's like going it was... way too fast? Yeah. But there's a couple of different documentaries being shown and different things. So if you're in the San Francisco area, July is going to be a big month at the Disney Family Museum. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. I don't have one. <sighs> I know. Slacker. Because neither do I. You had... <laughs> but I never do. But you had that really good John Stamos news story. I thought that was a great story. I even saved that one for last because I thought it was like the crescendo. <laughs> oh wow! You really need to get out more. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, that will do it for rapid fire this week. We're going to move on to our first segment. Kevin Close has his dining review of the Bull and Bear at uh, the Waldorf Astoria. So, Kevin, what'd you think? I thought it was awesome. Really? Yeah, we thought we had a wonderful meal there. Now. Um, I have to give you a little background. We had talked about this before the show started, 
and I understand you have a little bit of a different opinion. However, we were there. But I'm willing to also say that that was we we had a fluke that night. We were there with folks who had found this restaurant and had enjoyed it several times since it's opened. This was their fifth or sixth time going there. Wow. And it's they kind of paid attention to us and it might be because a, we were there early. We were the first reservation. It was on a Sunday afternoon. And we were there with people who, it was, as I say, their fifth or sixth time. Okay. Uh, this is the Bull and Bear. It's located in the Waldorf Astoria, uh, Waldorf Astoria at the Bonnet Creek Resort, just across from Old Key West. Uh, I found the hotel absolutely elegant. Is it stunning? It's very, very nice. It's very, very classy and elegant without being... Overdone. It doesn't look like Donald Trump's apartment. Well, what I found was that they were very true to the Waldorf feel right. in New York without recreating it. Right. They they added elements. Uh, the big Cartier clock in the in the lobby. Uh, a lot of the Art Deco type elements that kind of tie the resort together. But they also realized that this is a Florida resort, so it's a lot more open and a lot brighter than the one in New York is. I agree wholeheartedly. That's one of the things I liked about the restaurant. Um, without getting back on the dead horse, everybody knows that I've had vision problems, and I don't see as well in low light as I used to. And I find most steakhouses go for that dark, clubby. Like Shula's? Yeah. Um, the Palm, uh, Morton's. They go for that dark, clubby men's club atmosphere. And I found this bright and um, well-lit, and truly enjoyable. Uh, it is not cheap no. by any stretch of the imagination. This is easily on a par with uh, Shula's or Morton's or um, what was the other one I just Yachtsman. mentioned? The Yachtsman. Uh, I think it's more expensive than the Yachtsman. It is more expensive than Yachtsman for sure. However, um, we found it to be absolutely superb. Uh, there's a bunch of appetizers and starters. We tried the main lobster bisque. Now it's $14 a bowl. And the people that we were with thought it was outstanding. It was the only thing that we had. Um, a lot of times when we go out to dinner, uh, John and I will pick an appetizer each and we'll share. And he ordered the main lobster bisque, and neither one of us really cared for it. I didn't like it at all when I had it. Um, I'll tell you, so far, the best lobster bisque I've ever had in my life, and this is one like the only seafood dish I'll eat is a lobster bisque. And I'll only eat it in upscale restaurants because I I need the lobster to be really fresh. The one we had at the Yachtsman Steakhouse, it was all I could do not to lick the bowl clean. Mm. And if we had, if I had been at home, that's exactly what I would have done. I like the one at Chefs de France. Chefs, I love the one at Chefs de France. That's where I started. Uh, that's where I got turned on to. It was at Chefs de France. But uh, and I love that one. But the one at 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 Yachtsman was amazing. I was really disappointed. It was very very rich. It was too rich and it was too fishy. To way too fishy. And that tells it was me made that with a fish stock. There wasn't enough cream in it as far as I was concerned. The best one, in my opinion, is at Bob's favorite restaurant, Boston's Fish House out on Aloma Avenue in Winter Park. Awesome. But that's it's, a sherry-based. So This one is sherry-based. The one in Boston's is not. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, we also had, I love a caprese salad. I love tomato and mozzarella. And they have one, and it is uh, $15. Only it is made with something called burrata 
cheese. Something I've never had before. It's a takeoff on mozzarella, and it's locally uh, made. It's made in Winter Park. We haven't found out where, but the next time I go back, I'm going to. (laughs) And I'm going to be in Winter Park buying my own. Uh, And also locally grown tomatoes. These were heirloom tomatoes. I have not seen a tomato this size since I left upstate New York. It was beautiful. This was a $15 salad, but I have to tell you, it was worth every penny as far as I was concerned. Uh, Those were the only appetizers we started with because they bring you out this amazing bread. Have you all ever heard of something called monkey bread? Mm -hmm. You know, the little pull-apart bread, that sweet bread that people make? They make a savory version with rosemary at this restaurant. It was like a giant popover, but you you pulled apart little pieces of it. The problem was I knew we were ordering expensive meals. However, I could have just kept eating probably till I exploded. <laughs> I thought it was so good. So we didn't really go wild, but there are a bunch of appetizers. There's a bunch of salads. There's a lot of seafood. Um, oysters, Waldorf, which I guess is something famous. Mm-hmm. Um, tuna tartare. There's is the a- Waldorf salad on there? I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think it is. I think the Waldorf salad is only served down in the uh, the cafe downstairs. The classic Caesar salad is on here, but I don't see a Waldorf salad. If you want an authentic Waldorf salad, it's out of this world. Uh, down in the cafe in the first floor of the uh, of the Waldorf Astoria. There, this is a meat lover's menu. Um, uh, red meat. There is a chicken dish, and there's several seafood dishes. They break them up into featured dishes, ocean dishes, uh, beef steaks, and I think that's it. John had, tell them what you had. I had the New York Strip, but I had the biggest one you can get. It was like heart attack inducing. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> Comes with the paddles to revive you. <laughs> it was incredible. I, I was absolutely one of the best steaks I've ever had, on par with any other high-end steakhouse. One of the things that was interesting that night was they had a special. They had a cowboy steak for two. And we saw it bring it to someone's Jesus. table. It was, I can't even describe it. It was like two basketballs mm-hmm. they wheeled to someone's table. Oh, my Lord. I think ball. it was $85 for that. However, the other steaks are 40 and 50 and Easily mm. could have had four people on that, that cowboy steak. My steak was incredible. I got a steak similar to that at Ruth's Chris one time for my birthday. For two? <laughs> for two and you ate it all for yourself. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Now the steak the steaks are certified Angus beef prime, which I guess is the highest level you can find as far as beef is concerned. Not a big beef eater, so I went for an ocean dish. I had something called the diver scallops. And they were broiled diver scallops served in a tarragon scampi butter. They were $38, and I was surprised. Usually when you get scallops out, you get three. I had six oh, good-sized wow. scallops. It was a nice portion. Yeah. However. Well, for $38, it better be. Yeah, but you can go to a steakhouse other places. Uh, you can go to Fulton's and get pay $45 for scallops, and you get three. And they're not nearly as big. These were huge. He described them as being the size of small filet mignons. So wow. this was a lot of food. Okay. Um, However, they did something I've never seen before, and I actually told them when they set it down that this was the most pompous and arrogant presentation I've ever seen in my entire life. They covered it 
in a lemon tarragon foam. So when I when they brought out my dish, I had a huge round bowl because you know they restaurants have to use those pretentiously huge dishes now. Excuse me. It was completely covered. It looked like Mr. Bubble. You could see nothing on the plate other than this huge pile. I said, did this come with ivory soap? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Oh, sorry, that's tarragon-infused lemon foam. I'm like, this is the most pompous and arrogant thing I've ever seen. Do you have another dish? And immediately proceeded to scrape. It, It had no taste. It was air foam. But and I said to him, you know, I, I paid $38 to see these beautiful scallops in tarragon butter. You really don't need this kind of ridiculousness. It added nothing to the dish. Yeah. It, it, he said, well, we do it for the wow factor. I said, well, wow. Now, can you help me get it? <laughs> it's more of a wow factor for the other tables. Like, what is that? Right. That you're bringing right. to that Did table? he really order soap scum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, once I got rid of the Mr. Bubble, it was absolutely Beyond. They were wonderful. They were perfectly cooked. The tarragon scampi butter was a perfect accompaniment to it. I couldn't say enough nice things about it. As a matter of fact, I can't wait to go back and get them again. Uh, all sides are a la carte. They have um, hashed brown potatoes. They had butter mashed potatoes, giant salt baked potato, and that's not an understatement. I've never seen a baked potato this large. It was a football. I don't know where they grow potatoes like this. The bull and bear french fries, the au gratin potatoes, the mac and cheese with pancetta, seasonal wild mushrooms, broccolini, creamed spinach, creamed corn, and asparagus. We had, now there were six of us at dinner, so we had a bunch of these. Uh, somebody split the giant baked potato. There, was a, there were two vegetarians at our table. We had the au gratin potatoes, which were like nothing I had ever tasted. They were absolutely incredible. We had the mac and cheese with pancetta, which was, again, just incredibly good. We had the cream spinach, and we had the hash browns. Now, they kept telling me about these hash browns. You got to try the hash browns. You got to try the hash browns. You have to try the hash browns. So we ordered the hash browns. What did they do different to the hash browns? It's hash brown potatoes, and they come out in what looks like shredded wheat. You don't see potato. It looks like a big bowl of shredded wheat. It's crunchy fried little shreds of potato that they cover it with. I was not as impressed with the flavor of those as everybody else was, but they are they're, they're a nice presentation. They're different than what you would expect. The surprise in all of this was creamed corn. Now, I don't know about you, but I detest creamed corn. I love creamed corn. The creamed corn always looks like somebody else had it before me. <laughs> and it just, ooh, it skeeves me right out. They kept saying to me, you have to try the creamed corn. And I thought, I really don't. I really don't. I don't like creamed corn. This was so good, we ordered a second mm, wow. batch. They, it's actually um, fresh corn that they cut off the cob. So it is in a little bit of a, like a buttery sauce. But when you bite it, it still has that texture okay. of fresh corn. Absolutely delicious. Well worth the price. Um, they do something really cool with their presentation of the sides all the sides except for the baked potato come out in a little metal skillet very everything's really hot super hot and they come on a wooden serving plank and the skillet's on the serving plank but the uh wooden plank must have magnets in it because the little iron pans stick to the plate so you can hand it around to people right so it doesn't slide off or you can stick your 
spoon in yeah. and not worry about it sliding around. I thought oh, it was really clever. ingenious. There are also sauces for the um, for the beefs, the different beef uh, entrees: peppercorn cognac, roasted shallot, bordelaise, bernays, and bull and bear steak sauce. Now, because there were six of us and there was a couple different people that got meat, they brought us out a little bowl of each one to try, right. and one was better than the next. Now, again, I didn't have beef, but I put sauces all over my potatoes. <laughs> and going back to the to the sides, the sides were huge. Definitely two, three, even maybe four people, depending on how. Yeah, we ended up taking a bunch of stuff home from the sides because there is, again, we probably overordered. If you ordered like normal people, you probably wouldn't have leftovers if there were four of you. But we ordered more than we needed to. Uh, moving on to dessert. They recommend at the point when you order your entree that you get the chocolate souffle because it takes some time to order or to bake. And again, it's it's served very much in the Palo tradition. It comes with uh, the cream and the chocolate, and they cut a little hole in the middle and pour mm. it in. So if you're looking for that Palo experience while you're here in Orlando and you want that chocolate souffle, the Bull and Bear serves it. They also served um, beignets. Which was a surprise, and they were also delicious. Really well done. I want everybody to know going in that this is very, very pricey. However, you are definitely, in my opinion, it's definitely worth the money. I didn't have the same experience Pete had. Uh, it's also, there's so much food. We really overordered. The people we went with, like you said, have been there before, and no, none of them got appetizers and none of them got desserts because they knew how much food came. We could have easily cut back a tremendous amount of uh, off our bill. Now, the, it's the Valrona Manjari Chocolate Souffle. It's $15, and it comes with a Grand Marnier custard sauce. The beignets really good. were um, Waldorf beignets with chocolate sauce and Madagascar custard for $12. This is a fine dining experience. Uh, the restaurant overlooks the pool area if you're sitting near the window. I found the whole place very classically decorated uh, one side of our table was a banquette but it was like a nice leather sofa so our table pulled up to a nice leather sofa with great big throw pillows so you can make mm. yourself comfortable just a really really nice atmosphere what did the bill come to for the two of us it was 125 before the before the tip and again i think we could have got that down a lot we ordered way more than we needed to that really wasn't that's not that's not terrible. No, yeah. that's a Disney. I mean, if you go to a See, Disney now, restaurant. See, when we went, we were with uh, two friends, and uh, they had uh, every, those guys had wine. So our bill ended up coming to about a little over $100 a person. Right. I remember that. And the service was not good. No. Uh, the food definitely didn't live up to my expectations. Um, I. It's very possible we were there on an off night. I will give it another another shot. Um, you should go with us. Let's go one night. And uh, but I was I was remarkably disappointed. It was a very forgettable meal, and I was I was pissed. I was pissed that it cost so much and so much. Went, I mean, it was twenty minutes before they even came to bring water to our table. That's crazy. And there was nobody else in the restaurant. Now I have to. We were there, and I think we had six waiters for six people. Mm. Yeah, we no, we definitely didn't. We couldn't find ours. He just disappeared. I'm so sorry that happened because I thought it was really good. Now there is valet parking, and your parking is it is a charge for parking at the resort. But they tell you as you're going in, are you dining at the hotel? 
make sure you ask your waiter to validate. Right. And then valet parking is complimentary. No, it's actually $5 if you have it. $5 off or no, $5? It's $5. $5. Right. It's regularly 12 but if you have it validated, it comes $5. What was the dress code like? I went in shorts and a collared shirt. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's not like stuffy. No, suit it, and tie. No, no place in Orlando can really get away with. Well, that. I mean, you know, like your good shorts or your, you know. Well, you don't want to go in. It's, a, it's an expensive fine dining restaurant. You don't want to go in looking like the homeless. So right. I, I mean, you know, I w- I was dressed. Put some effort s- into it. But. I was dressed like I am now. I wore a nice. And you collared didn't feel jacket. out of place. There are some people who are dressed up. Definitely dressed up for the occasion, but I don't think we felt out of place at all. No, and it was, as I say, it was 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon. Right. I'm not entirely sure if I was going out Saturday at 8 night. o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday right. night that I wouldn't have worn long, long pants, pants and dress shoes or something like that. But I thought 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon. And again, the restaurant was pretty much not crowded. How about kids? The table next to us had three or four of yeah. them. They seem and to be enjoying their food, and they seem to be having a good time. They seem to be making a fuss over them. There is a children's menu. This is on a par with a fine steakhouse. However, it's in a really elegant setting as far as I'm concerned. And I liked the brighter atmosphere as opposed to that sort of dark wood and dark leather. I liked it. So in my estimation, this is a great destination if you're looking for something People always ask, what can we do that's different? There you go. What can we do that's romantic? We found mm-hmm. both of these to be true. The other thing, too, is because of where it's located, it's such a new area of property for us. It was fun to drive back there. Yeah. Look at all the, and it was. I was amazed at how much was built back there. Exactly. There's also a very nice cocktail lounge just outside the restaurant with live music. Piano player was there, yeah. Now, I understand um, the Hilton next door, which is supposedly very nice, has an upscale Italian restaurant located in it i haven't tried that that's on my list they take reservations or oh yeah they absolutely do yeah, yeah. it's a, especially if you're going on a weekend it's a good idea to have reservations at the bull and bear okay you can make them online or you can go to opentable.com right okay i found them extremely accommodating they this the level of service even when we were waiting for our table because we were the first reservation there we got there as the restaurant was opening and I got the feeling that they weren't ready for us. And we told them that was okay. We didn't mind waiting. And they said, oh, no, no, not at all. And they sort of found a place for us immediately. And one of the things that one of the people in our party did, which I would not have known to done, I would have not known to to do. I wouldn't have known to do this. And that was to ask for a larger table than what they were going to put us at. If you're going to order sides to share... Okay. A lot of dishes come to your table. Yeah. And they are the great big oversized dishes. And then if you order a steak, you get this big wooden cutting board with a shallow depression where your food, where your plate will sit into it. What's really cool is they have these little metal folded, like metal tents with a slit in them. And your steak knife fits in there. And your huh. steak knife tells you the temperature of your steak. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, so on this, I, it's just a goofy little thing. Yeah. But like John said, medium rare. On his, on his knife. But they do take up a lot of room. So if you're at a table 4-4 four, four, and you have four and you start ordering stuff to share, it's going to get busy. Right. It's going to get crowded. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you had a good experience. Like I said, I, I, I want to go back and check it out again. Um, I'm, willing to, I'm, I'm willing to believe that, it, that our experience was more of a fluke. 
but the service the service was the problem. The service definitely he was, seemed disinterested. Yeah, we were honest. That's horrible. Now again, these people that we went with, what, this was their fifth or sixth time, right? And this was their experience with all of. Well, if they went back five or six times, you have right, to figure exactly. they had a good experience. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, Kevin, for that. We're going to move on to our next segment. We're going to talk about uh, our stay at the All Star Music, and as I said earlier, Pop Century. All Star Music. Oh, I thought you went to Pop Century. Yeah. My mistake. Nope. All Star Music. Um, I have been listening to people for the last month look at me and say, "You're going to stay at the All Stars." And I'll be honest. I, of in in terms of doing hotel reviews, I knew that eventually, uh, you know, obviously we have to cover the values. They're 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 big draws. They're they're very popular. Um, not my first choice. Of hotels, I was not looking forward to this. I will be honest, but I also knew that we had to do it, and I wanted to be fair about it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, this is going to suck because I have to stay at the All Stars. And yes, I am a snob when it comes to hotels. I no, I make no pretense to you know otherwise. But uh, I was able to secure a Florida resident. Uh, rate of $84 a night for the room. Uh, and I was really happy with that because, you know, uh, the published rate for that time period is 104 So it's a pretty decent discount off the price. Uh, but I'm noticing a lot, a lot of availability for annual pass and Florida resident uh, discounts uh, at the All-Stars. Uh, my mom was thinking about spending a couple of days over at the All-Stars. And, you know, I was able to get, I, I was able to pull up a reservation for her for three nights next week at, uh, I think, a preferred view at the All-Star movies for like $78 a night. That seems wow. like a slow time, yeah. though. I so, was just going to say, have you been, you've been out in the resort area. Didn't you find the traffic pretty light except for iDrive? Well, the, uh, at the hotel, the hotel was fairly busy. Was it? Yeah, the hotel was fairly busy. Um, as I do with all of these reviews, uh, you know, we're grading things on a scale, on a certain scale. Ultimately, we give the, the resort a grade between 1 and 100, and uh, we weight things a little differently. 40% of the grade is based on, on the room, uh, 15% based on the public areas, the pools, gift shops, check-in, uh, 15% on food and availability of food. And uh, what does that leave me? Thirty uh, percent on staff uh, is basically how we grade uh, these hotels. Uh, I utilized online check-in, which I'm going to tell you, folks. Oh my God! You have got it. Just there's no reason not to do it. There's no reason not to use online check-in. I'm not kidding you. It was three minutes and thirty seconds from the time I walked in the door till the time I walked out with my keys. That's it was something the, we suggest to people all the time. Mm-hmm. Why don't you let people know the process of online check-in? Online check-in is very simple. You you simply you go online, you provide all the information they would normally take a check-in, including the inf- the credit card information that you want to use uh, for your incidentals. Uh, but you provide all you know the phone number that you can be reached at while you're in Florida. Your you know all that stuff, and it takes no time to do online at all. I mean, it's a very very quick process. 
And what happens is you also tell them approximately what time you think you're going to be arriving at the hotel. And there is a separate line at check-in for online check-in. If you have done this process, the online check-in line is there for you. And I'll say the regular check-in line wasn't very long. We arrived at the hotel around 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. And I had expected to arrive a little earlier. But what, they, what you do is you tell them what time you're thinking of arriving, and they make sure that the packet with your room keys and everything else is ready when you get there. Now, of course, this is all dependent on when the room is ready for check-in. Uh, your packet may be there. Your keys may be there. But the room may not. You may not have your room assignment yet. Can I say one more thing before you move on? Sure. We get this question a lot. If you book through a travel agent, you can still do online check-in. Yes. So people say, well, if I book through Dreams Unlimited Travel, can I still get this? And but I would also not. caution that there's times that that website is a little It's a wonky. Disney website. It's like yeah. every Disney website. MyDisneyReservation.com. That, that it, it, it will come up and say that there there's no information. So I always caution clients to just try it again. I haven't had that experience. This is the second of the reviews I'm doing, um, and I've had no issue at all with the online well, check-in. that's good. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it is an absolute stroke of brilliance why every hotel in existence is not doing this. I don't know. I can't imagine why you would not do that. Like you said, we were in and out three, three and a half minutes. And a half minutes. It is this, a record for check-in for me. We feel the same way about Disney Cruise Line's online check-in. Right. Just it's, It makes things much mm-hmm. smoother. It does. It does. So it was, you know, like I said, I was very happy with the rate, $84 a night. But keep in mind that this hotel... Uh, during the, the, the peak season can go as high as $159 a night. That's over the holidays. And, uh, but, you know, we rate, the, we rate the property based on what we're paying and what I think the value is based on what we're paying. Um, so it was, uh, we were assigned to building number three, the Rock Inn. We were on the third floor. And I... You know, I what I pay attention to when I go into a hotel room, of course, I'm going to do a, a very detailed inspection. But honestly, the most, uh, the most important part of me reviewing a hotel room is the first 10 seconds after I open the door. Uh, there is an instant impression that I get that now once in a blue moon, you know, as I'm in the room a little bit longer, it'll change. But almost all the time. That first impression I have of the room is dead on the money. And I opened the door to the room, and the first thing that came into my mind was bright and clean. It was an incredibly clean room, a shockingly clean, because I was putting my fingers yes. in places my fingers shouldn't be. He's walking around rubbing everything. Um, looking for dust, not pulling any dust. No. So every square inch of this room had been dusted, every square inch. Under the beds, around the beds, under the sink, in the bathrooms, uh, above the headboards, above the headboards, there was no debris. There was no. It was immaculate. It was a very clean room. You would have thought this was a brand new hotel room. Uh, furniture was in great shape. Nowhere, uh, so no wear and tear on the furniture or the carpets. Uh, it was. You know, these rooms are two hundred and sixty square feet, so they are small. They are small, but you know, for me, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, how much time do you really spend in the hotel room?" I tend to spend some time in my hotel rooms. Yes. So I have to be, and you know, and I'm not expecting, you know, 
you know, real comfortable chairs and all this other stuff. I understand where I am. But I have to be comfortable sitting someplace and using my computer because that's something I do. Whether I'm doing a hotel review or going on vacation, this computer comes with me. I need a place to use it. Now, this is the one complaint I have about all or most Disney resorts. They put the Ethernet connection for the Internet on the nightstand in between Mm -hmm. the two beds. Uh, why? The stupidest thing I have ever seen in my life. Not on the table with the chairs. Correct. Right. <laughs> Where you could sit and use the computer. Right. No. Over between the two beds. Now, I realize there are some people who like to lay in bed and, and check their emails. Well, good for you. The vast majority of people, I think, would prefer to sit in a chair and at a table and use their computer. Um, I cannot sit in bed with a computer. It's just not comfortable for me. never has been. So if you know, fine. You want to keep uh, an, an Ethernet connection in between the beds. Great, great. Put another one over on the damn table. Uh, this is why it really is a good recommendation that you go with a wireless router that you can plug in uh, to that Ethernet connection and use wireless in your room. Uh, just be aware that if you don't secure that wireless connection, the people next that. to you are going to use it too. So. That 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 was that was one complaint I had. These beds are uh, double beds, two double beds, uh, and while the beds were okay in terms of the mattresses, they were standard mattresses, nothing exceptional about them. I found the bedding to be unnecessarily basic. They were clearly using, uh, you know, sheets. Three thread count. Basically, basically, <laughs> it was like sleeping. It was like sleeping on on smooth down sandpaper. <laughs> and while I was able to sleep just fine, relatively okay in the room, it certainly was not the most comfortable night's sleep. So I would caution anyone: if you are overly picky about beds, see, I can sleep pretty much anywhere. Um, but if you're overly picky about the bed you sleep on or the sheets that you sleep on, these resorts are not for you unless you're going to bring your own sheets and your own pillowcases. Also, the pillows. These are really basic, basic pillows. And, you know, and this, my point here is that it's unnecessary for these things to be so basic. I understand that in different, uh, different categories of resorts, there'll be uh, better bedding. That's part of what you're paying for. I, I understand that. But I think they could up their game just a little in terms of what they're putting on these beds. I got to say something. Everyone knows that I own Dreams Villas, and, you know, of course we want people to be comfortable when they stay. You can get very, very nice stuff reasonable Yeah. if you shop the right way, and they're buying so much in bulk, you would think they would come up with some kind of contract for somebody to get... Well, I think it's not that they can't. I think they choose not to in order to make... Uh, clear distinctions between the value category, moderate category, deluxe category. I think that's why they that, that's why they do that. I think the fact that it's a 260 square foot room is enough, enough of a distinction, right? Um, exactly. But again, like and even it, at 100 or 85 dollars, you should still have some is, creature comfort. Exactly. Exactly. Was there a big difference then in the sheets between there and Caribbean? Yes. Beach? Yes, there was a mm. uh, there was a noticeable difference for me, but in, uh, in the bedding. Now the layout of the room similar. 
you know, smaller, but the layout was right. It's the same. It's because, well, the Caribbean beach also has the largest rooms of the moderates at 335 square feet. I think it is a 340 square feet. Those are because that the Caribbean beach was the first of the moderates uh, built. And back in those days, they still built decent sized hotel rooms. It wasn't until later that Disney figured out, Oh, we can cut off 50, 60, 70 square feet and get more rooms in there. But uh, so the Caribbean beach is a little bit of an anomaly, but in terms of the betting, yes, there is an obvious difference between the betting at the all stars and the betting at the, at, at the, at the, at the Caribbean. But I don't want to spend too much time on that because it really wasn't that big an issue. Like I said, I was able to sleep. Uh, I was able to sleep comfortably the first night. Uh, I was able to sleep coming back from the parks, being exhausted. We went to do star Wars weekends. We were wiped out. I thought I was going to drop dead. I was so tired. And I was able to get a very nice nap in. So it's not like I, I don't want to make the beds a big issue. I wanted to bring it up because I know some people are a little more particular about the beds they sleep in. Uh, now, the All-Stars, as with all of the uh, moderates and the value resorts, are motel style, which means the, uh, uh, your entry is all from the outside. They're all you know, walkways going in front of your door. And uh, these are very spread out resorts. All stars are, are a little over 2,000 rooms, I believe. And uh, they're broken up into nine different buildings themed around different uh, musical styles. So when we were in the rock building, there was the country and western building, Calypso. there was the Calypso building, the jazz building, the Broadway, Broadway. building. <laughs> Did you know that there's 2,192 rooms in the, the All Stars and in Pop Century? And they do that. It was a slap at Osceola County because of a taxing thing. They wanted to tax them a certain way, and Disney built them with 192 rooms and put them the closest to 192. Ah, okay. Uh, did not know that. So that's uh, – uh, with, with given that number of rooms, this is a very spread out – uh, building. There's a very spread out resort, and depending on where you're located, I mean, we were really in the back of the resort uh, where we were, and you know, it's only it was only a, a five minute walk for us from our building to the main building. But if you want to be close to the main building where the food court is, where the buses are, you want to be in one of the Calypso buildings. There are two Calypso buildings on either side of the main pool. Uh, there's also two pools, the piano pool, which is, quote-unquote, the quiet pool, and then, of course, the Gigantic guitar massive. pool, which is uh, massive. The Calypso huge. pool is the largest uh, pool out of all the value resorts. Okay. It's huge. And, and also, those Calypso buildings are, the rooms are more expensive. They're considered preferred locations. Those are preferred locations. And that's also where the suites are. The fa- the, the uh, family suites. Mm-hmm. Correct. So... <clears throat> The uh, let me talk about the pool for a second. Um, the first night we were there, uh, we were walking to the food court, and I was shocked at the number of activities throughout the day that we saw going on for kids. Really well done. Mm-hmm. All these games, music, line dancing, line dancing, hula hoops, you name it. Uh, all going on at different times. When you check in, part of your packet gives you a, a schedule of all the activities that are going on during that week and what time and where, and also what time they'll be doing their movie by the pool. Now, their movie at the pool is this big inflatable screen. 
I don't know how anybody saw anything because it was, it was very difficult to see this screen. This it was because in order because of where they have it located, they have it located right outside the main building where everybody goes in for the food court. So they have to keep that lit because there are walkways there. So the light lighting the walkways washes out the image on the mm. screen. So it was virtually impossible to see the movie. The movie actually was clearer if you stood behind the screen. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the, the amount of activities going on really impressed me. And I, I thought that, especially given the fact that it was a value resort, they are obviously spending more on that sort of entertainment for kids than I think I've seen at any of the other resorts. At no point have I seen... I've always seen stuff going on for the kids at the resorts, but never that much. And we were not talking about a, a, a busy week, you know, a busy period. This was May. This is May. This is not a busy period, per se, at, at Disney World. And we were talking... This is also going, was going on at times when there wasn't an awful lot of people at the pool. It wasn't like the pools were overrun. There were times we saw the pools being overrun with people, but that particular time, you know, there were times where it was kind of quiet. They were still doing this stuff. So I, I give them, I give them uh, kudos on that. I do want to let people know about the pools at the value resorts. There are no slides or jacuzzis. Maybe since there are no slides, that's why they do extra activities for Could the kids. It's a good point. There are kitty areas and kitty pool areas at the pools, but no jacuzzis. And, uh, now as I said, uh, the, the main building is what, where the uh, check-in desk is, the arcade, which is a really nice, large arcade, and the food court. And so let me talk a little bit about the food court. Absolutely fantastic. We had some good food. I was stunned. I was surprised. I was stunned at how good the food was, how fresh, how hot, how reasonably priced. It was a great uh, – there was a, a lot of choices there from the standard burgers and fries – to Italian, to grilled items, uh, the bakery. The bakery really shocked me because I found out that all of the baked goods that are served at the All-Star Music are actually made at the All-Star Music. So when Walter got a brownie, because I'm looking at the brownies going, okay, they look homemade. Those do not look like the typical crappy run-through-a-flavor-vacuum Disney brownies. So we got one. And I took a bite of it, and I was like, oh, my God, that was really good. I mean, it was a really good, fresh, homemade brownie. When we had breakfast the next morning and we had the breakfast croissant, you could tell the croissant had been made fresh. Well, the thing that surprised me, the first night we had the uh, roasted half a chicken, mm -hmm. and I took a bite of the roll, and we just came back from the cruise, so I expected a really hard, tasteless roll. And it was very soft, very good. I mean, you could tell that it was it was not an well, old. Here is my, it was freshly made. Exactly, and here is, and here is my... Compliment to the food court at the uh, at, at, at the All Star Music and my slam to Disney Cruise Line. The food I was being served at the food court was pretty much on par with the food I was being served on the cruise line. Um, and as a matter of fact, the food at the food court was hotter and better prepared, in my opinion. So I know that they can. Obviously, Disney can make desserts and baked goods that taste good. So they should take whatever they're doing at the All-Star Music and do it everywhere on both coasts and on the, on the cruise line. This is a case of um, each resort 
is considered its own business unit. So each resort has its own manager who's in charge of the budget of that resort. So they hire their food and beverage manager and all that stuff. So what you have is you have a head chef or food and beverage manager at that resort who's good, who's taking care of what's going on. Very good. Why can't you do that at all the other resorts? That's my point. And I found the food, like I said, hot, fresh, and, and good, and at a very reasonable price. I mean... You're talking the, about breakfast, breakfast, lunch, dinner items ranging between seven and ten dollars per person. Wow! Well, the half the chicken with two sides that was like nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. Yeah. So that was a really good deal. And you know, so it it really is, uh, you know. And, and as we were walking around the resort and taking into account the food, taking into account the the room, you know, we were saying, okay, you know what? This is a. There's nothing about this. That I would, I could say, don't come here. There's nothing. You can go to Disney and have uh, a good experience. I, I did not feel like this resort was in any way, other than the size of the room and the bedding, was in any way substandard. I was comfortable there, and like I said, I'm picky about hotels. Is it the first choice that I would go to? No, it's not because I prefer. You know, you know, just it's my preference. My preference is, you know, nicer resorts, bigger rooms, nicer beds. Hot tubs. Um, but I have absolute I would have absolutely no problem staying there again. Bus service. I know a lot of people complained about the bus service. I we hit it just right because it took us 20 minutes. from was, the time we left to the time we got to the park. Well, from we went to we, we went to uh, Hollywood Studios, for example, Um from the time we arrived at the bus stop till the time we got off the bus was 17 minutes. Uh, coming back, it was 15 minutes. Uh, we did have to stand coming back, but uh, the all-star buses um, coming to the parks in the morning, they go direct to the theme park that you're going to. Coming back, they will stop at all of the all-star. They stop at all-star sports first, then music, then movies. So keep that in mind coming back. Um, was there a reason why you picked music over the other two? Uh, it was what was available. It was what was available. Um, so from all things considered, uh, I thought this was an excellent property. I thought it was really well run. My only complaint uh, was with the cast. Um, not that anyone was rude, but with the exception of the girl that checked us in, I did not see one of them smile. Uh, it was a, and it was marked contrast to when we were at the Caribbean Beach, and we saw so many cast members going out of their way to be friendly and helpful to us, to other guests. I didn't see that at All Stars. I saw a very utilitarian, very, you know, again, nobody was rude, but n- there was no smiling going on. And I thought that was kind of unfortunate that, you know, smile doesn't cost anything. Mm-mm. So I have to wonder how happy these people are. If you know if there's an issue with management, if there's an issue with the general manager, or perhaps I was just catching the wrong people on the wrong day. Do you ever see where they have to park? <laughs> well, <laughs> be that as it tired. may. Be that as it may. It's like those poor downtown Disney cast members. Right. So uh, you know that you know, and and really, those are the only things I can point out that I thought were were off. But by no means is that. Uh, Anything huge. Out of a possible score of 100, I give the all-star music a 91. Wow. Um, and I was impressed. Again, I it was a very at $84 nice a night, that's, 
that's at $84 a night. If I'd paid $159 a night, you could probably shave about 10 points off that. Um, I would say at $120 per night or less, $120 at the most or less, this is a very good value. Above that, um, not so much. But if you're if you can get the all star, especially if you can get the all star at the, you know, sub one hundred dollar level, do it. Absolutely do it. Especially if you're the kind of people that don't spend a lot of time in the hotel room. If your kids like the pools, if you're going to spend a lot of time in the parks, uh, it's absolutely uh, absolutely a great choice. I would highly recommend it. So I give them a big thumbs up. It was a great experience. I was really glad I went. I would go back again. That's good. So, I'd be curious, and I know probably this won't happen for a long time. I'd like to see you stay at all three because I understand there's a difference between the three of them. Yeah, I plan to. I plan to do each of the values uh, over time. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying, like, you know, my next one is going to be uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge Concierge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, and then after that, the next one is Pop Century. So, I am trying to, you know, cover all the bases. Right cover all the bases so well, that's good to know i mean you know there are people who just can't afford the other resorts and it's good to know that they're getting they really and they you know, what's nice is they don't have to sacrifice because i kept saying to walter you show me another company this is why i'm excited about the the new also uh, the uh, new art of animation resort you show me another company that can build a resort like this that can build a value resort give you that food court those food options that entertainment for your kids with all the perks that go along with staying on site and you're paying $84 a night, now that's a good value. By any measure, that is a good value. And especially at Disney, that's a stellar value. So if you're, if you're planning on staying at the All-Star Music, go in knowing that uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a good experience and I think you're going to enjoy yourselves. All right, we're going to move on and have our discussion on this year's Star Wars Weekends which uh, Max and Walter and Kathy and I got to, got to do last Friday. Now, it was funny because Thursday, Walter and I spent the day. We had a really nice day at uh, Hollywood Studios. Um, had a, actually, I, well, I had a nice lunch. He didn't like his at uh, Mama Melrose. Have you, heard, have you seen the people at Disney Hollywood Studios? It's my understanding that the guest relations people are now using iPads. Uh, they were. Uh, I didn't see guest relations with them, but they, during Star Wars weekends, they were walking around yes. with iPads. I yeah. guess that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, now we had been there, like I said, last Thursday, and park was relatively quiet. Was not crowded. Uh, we actually waited online for Toy Story Mania. It was the first time that minutes. I'd ever. Yeah. It was about fifty minutes. Are you sitting? In, are you sitting in the line going things like, "I used to get on here." Well, no. I, <laughs> I I said to him, I said, you know, I wanted to. You know, one of the things we did was I wanted to go and do things that I normally don't do. So we went and watched Muppets. Um, we went on the back the, the backstage tram, um, and we got online for Toy Story Mania because I'd never really been through the queue. Um, as I said to him, I said, you know, I rented the attraction twice, <laughs> but I've never actually been through the queue. Um, and uh, so it was really nice. It was this nice, leisurely day. And I knew that Friday was going to be, uh, you know, the, for the start of Star Wars weekends, it was going to be a little nuts. 
I had no idea. It was oh, crazy. How insane it was going to be. Who did you dress up as? <laughs> Actually, th- we there saw a whole lot of very, very on. few people dressed mm-hmm. up. I would say a handful of people dressed up. Well, what was 102? Yes. Yeah, so. it, was, it was a hot day. It was a hot day. Uh, first thing about Star Wars weekends, there are two types of people who are going. People who want to go and check some things out and, you know, that you like Star Wars and, you know, you may not know the substance that Han, Han Solo was frozen in. Carbonite. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, knew that, I know that, oh. but there are people out there that enjoyed Star Wars, but maybe not to the level they enjoy Disney. That would be uh, me. And uh, then there are the people who are true Star Wars fans. And... Mm. If you are a true Star Wars fan, then listen to me very carefully. <laughs> you must arrive at this park early. I'm not talking about an hour. I'm talking about be there at 5 o'clock in the morning. If you want to get the fast passes for the autographs, because mm-hmm. it's the only way you can do it. They give out, uh, they have a very limited number of fast passes for the autograph sessions, they also give out a certain number of standby passes in case the celebrity decides that they're willing to sit a little longer and sign some more autographs. Only the people that actually get the real fast pass with a time on it, and these are special fast passes, um, they are gone in minutes. And they are gone the minute the park opens. And actually, they are not even given out inside the park. They are given out outside the park where the bag check is. So uh, there's a, a line. You'll see you know, the bag check line, and then you'll see another All the way to tent, the right. All the way to the right. Another tent set up says uh, autogra- Star Wars Weekend's Autograph Fast Passes. That's where you need to go. Um, we had been told that there were people that had basically camped out from the night before uh, in order to get them. And, well, I mean, you know, for, you know, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, I'm a Star Wars fan. I I really enjoy Star Wars. Uh, There are people who like it a lot more than I do. But, you know, I can I I can I can get around that universe, not nearly as well as I can Disney. But, you know, I know enough about Star Wars to appreciate certain things. That being said, I had no idea who any of these celebrities were. I think that's kind of why I snorted, because, I mean, it's different if it's Carrie Fisher or Harrison Ford. Right. I mean, if the stars are willing to sit and sign autographs, as opposed to going off and making their movie with, you know, De Niro. So, now, if you are not going to... uh, partake in any part of the Star Wars festivities. I was about to say there's a third type of person who made no plans whatsoever, didn't know what was going on, and showed up by accident. And we saw a lot of those. Yeah, and they sure were did. turning around and leaving. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of them being very vocal in their complaints about what is this, all this that's going on. And this is what angers me, is that if you didn't do your research, that's not anybody's fault but yours. If you show up at Hollywood Studios and don't know that it's Star Wars weekend, that's your own fault because you don't have to look far. Um, I was surprised at the number of people we heard complaining yeah. and leaving. And yes. It was just like, you don't have internet, you don't have a computer. I mean, can how I, could you not? Can I ask this? You might answer it later, but couldn't you enjoy the park and not do those things? Uh, no. You know what? No. Really? You, the, the, number of people, the number of people that are drawn in to the park for this event 
uh, pretty much sends the wait time for everything, everything through the roof. I mean, they were just like continuously flowing. Yeah. I mean, it was just when we were standing there for the parade, you couldn't believe. I mean, we've all been there at Christmas time and seen crowds. This was way worse than So that. if you are not interested in attending uh, this, any of the Star Wars festivities, then my suggestion is that you not go to Hollywood Studios uh, on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday through the middle of June, uh, that you choose to do it on a weekday as opposed to a weekend. And you would also be tipped off the, with the stormtroopers up on the roof. I mean, you couldn't yes. miss them when you came in when we saw a lot of those people complaining. They had to know something different was going on when they got Right, there. but I don't think, you know, if you didn't do any research, you don't know about these crowds. Right. Um, you may know something Star Wars is going on, but you're not going to expect the park to be fulled, filled the way it, it, it was. Now, Star Wars weekends consists of a series of uh, events that go on throughout the day. Um, in different sections of the park. Most everything is uh, contained in the section of the park opposite where the Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster is. It's already a very congested area because of the popularity of those two attractions. So they have everything over by Star Tours, by Indiana Jones. Uh, the autograph locations are set up around uh, the lake. Um, what the heck is that? Uh, Echo Lake. Echo Lake. Can I ask a question? Is there a standby line, or do you have no. to have one of those standby you, passes? You get a standby pass or a regular fast pass, but you and there's only a certain number of each handed out. So they won't even let you line no. up. No, no, no. no. Um, over by Star Tours is the event stage, and that's where the Jedi Training Academy goes on. That goes on normally throughout the year, but also, of course, during Star Wars weekends. Um, the Padawan Mind Challenge, and uh, it's a little trivia trial um, for kids 11 and under. Um, and then at the close of the day, the hyperspace hoopla, which is where the Star Wars characters dance. And Oh, you have to check it out on YouTube. There's it a video awesome. on YouTube of it. Uh, and that goes on uh, right around uh, closing time for the park. That all takes place on the stage right uh, alongside of uh, Star Tours. Uh, the celebrity autograph locations, like I said, those are located around Echo Lake. And again, you can go and see the celebrities and take pictures of them from, uh, you know, from around there. You just can't go online and get the actual, get the actual autograph. Um, character encounters are, uh, those, there are locations uh, all throughout the park. I count one, two, three, four. Four locations where you can go get your pictures taken with characters. But there were also characters walking around the park. We saw Chewbacca. We saw R2-D2. We saw the uh, the aliens that made up the band in the cantina scene from the original Star Wars. Um, so there's a lot of that going on as well, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, you have the uh, Premier Theater. Uh, which is where they're doing uh, their, you know, they do a, a behind-the-scenes uh, discussion at at uh, certain times throughout the day, and they have a celebrity talk show at certain times throughout the day. Uh, that is located uh, over uh, back behind, uh, off of New York Street, where the San Francisco scene is in that little area back there, uh, is where that's located. And uh, they also have event merchandise being sold uh, 
right where the uh, right next to where the backlot tour goes off from, right across from Honey I Shrunk the Kids Playground. Uh, and from what I understand, it was not as big this year in no. terms of the merchandise as it was uh, last year. You had mentioned Kathy that there right had they been- used to have it next to Toy Story Mania that you ever see the sign it says Hot Set. There's a whole big like warehouse, and last year it was a big area, and this year it was much smaller, and they had like the collectible area and a regular area, and it was just jam packed. There's people. also that's because that stuff never sold. I don't I'm not being mean or facetious about it. We go to the tent sales all the time, and that's all the Star Wars stuff is just to the rafters. So someone got smart and decided not to overbuy on the merchandise. The annual pass holder pin was Han Solo in the carbonite this year. Okay. And the other big event that goes on is... That was random. We were talking about merchandise, and it was the Star Wars piece of stuff I know. (laughs) He's contributing. Leave him alone. Sorry. Uh, Of course, the other big event is the uh, Celebrity Motorcade that goes on. uh, That took place... It takes place at 1140. That was very good. And it was it was a, it was a lot of fun. They do you know they have a lot of the characters there, and then of course the the whoever the visiting celebrities are. Uh, in for our day there, it was Jeremy Bullock who played Boba Fett in episodes five and six. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, who was the voice behind Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. Uh, Tamara Morrison, I don't know how if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, who was uh, Django Fett in Attack of the Clones and Commander Cody in Revenge of the Sith. Daniel Logan, who played uh, Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones uh, as a a child, apparently. And uh, Dee Bradley Baker, who we have an interview with coming up in a little while, uh, was the voice behind Captain Rex and all the clones in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And uh, that was this week's celebrities. Those change uh, each weekend. Uh, through what is it, June twelfth, I believe. It's not on the. Uh, it's not on that. Now going back to the parade, um, somebody posted a question on Facebook that the Jedi Training Academy kids participate in the correct parade. Mm-hmm. So if you get chosen for the uh, Jedi training, you're automatically in the parade. Uh, I'm not sure that it works out that way, but uh, you definitely, if you want your kid in the parade, you'd want to do the Jedi Training Academy early in the morning. Uh, the days that we were there, the Jedi Training Academy was going on at 9.30, uh, 10.20, and 12.30 p.m. So the 9.30 and 10.20 Jedi Training Academy is probably where uh, you'll have your best chance of getting in the parade. I don't know that it's guaranteed that you're in the parade. I don't know if they're they're guaranteed into the parade, but they're also doing it a little bit different. Instead of just showing up and they like pick people, they've got a special queue during Star Wars weekends that they count off the number of kids so that if you're the next person back, they just tell you not to bother even waiting. So they're, they're handling that a little different. So if you really want to do that, be sure you get there early. And I know some people are complaining that, you know, oh, my, well, my kid's devastated my because he's not, you know, he, he's not getting to do uh, Jedi Training Academy. Look, you know, sometimes it, they're just, you know, if you don't get in line in time, you, you're yeah. not going to get it. And that's just all there is to it. And it might not be a terrible thing to teach your kids about disappointment. And the, the um, Padawan Mind Challenge, that when I got there, I got there before you did, there was a, a long line for that that you need to sign up for mm-hmm. to take part in it. And there's an event desk, like up by Sounds Dangerous, and like next to American Idol, there's a desk that you have to go and sign up for it. Okay. 
So just don't think you can just show up and waltz into the theater. And another thing, thinking of this from the Diz, that um, somebody was upset that their kid went up to Darth Vader and they wanted to give Darth Vader a high five. And the uh, Darth Vader, like, shook him off or said, you know, no. And then somebody else came on that was a character handler and said that, no, he stays in character. And, you know, Darth Vader doesn't do, like, fist bumps or, you know, high fives or whatever. So prepare your kids that, you know. For disappointment. Yeah, that things like this happen. Because apparently this little boy was upset and couldn't sleep at night because Darth Vader didn't high-five him. So, you know, just be aware that the characters are... Sometimes I wonder if it's not the parents, you know, just blowing this out of proportion. If if having a life would actually help you. The rest of life is going to be very difficult. Exactly. Darth Vader's not going to high-five you, and you're not going to get into your first choice of college. (laughs) But, I mean, standing there when you watch these characters, I mean, it was obvious to me that Darth Vader and a parent... Apparently, some of the character greeters announced that Darth Vader stays. You know. Right. So listen when you're in line at these things, kind and they're going to tell you what's yeah, going on. Really, exactly. Exactly. So uh, really, it, it was it was actually, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, I especially, did. well, also for the celebrity motorcade, uh, at the time of day that it's going on, uh, if you are at the top of Hollywood Boulevard looking down toward the Sorcerer Mickey hat. You want to be on the left-hand side of the street. Mm -hmm. That's the shaded side. The right side of the street at that time of day is in full sun. It's like a broiler pan. And (laughs) uh, uh, Honestly, I think the best spot was the spot that we had behind the garbage cans. Mm -hmm. Um, Because nobody's going to sneak in at the last minute. Well, actually, someone did, but well, they, but yeah, yeah, but they were sitting down in front. You know, we were standing up, and so we were fine. But and don't think you can just show up five minutes before the parade and get a good spot. Well, this is a common refrain, and it doesn't matter how many times we say it; it's always going to happen. Because it's sort of filling up way early. Really, we were there an hour before the parade, even more. I think it was. I think Mm -hmm. it was closer to an hour and a half before the parade started. And because I wanted to make sure I had a good position to film it from, and even still, I had I had some issues. But that's a, it's a good idea if you're for the parade to get there early. It's a good parade, it really is, and it lasts about uh, what about twenty minutes? Yeah, about twenty minutes. Yeah. And the thing to keep in mind there too is a lot of those people that are in that that, that one brigade that comes through; those are all. Star Wars enthusiasts that that went out and bought those costumes and okay because I, I got to oh, be honest I was confused. The one thing I did notice that Friday was that some of those stormtroopers were way overweight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they were way overweight. I'm like, oh, you know, the 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 empire's the empire's loosening its standards a little bit. The empire gets fat. <laughs> <laughs> I got um, this at the Big and Tallman shop on Indoor. <laughs> um, but I also noticed, uh, you know, they do that they do that that god awful High School Musical. Oh dear God! Thing let it die. that let it die already. But one of the guys in that, besides looking like he was 42, was my size. <laughs> so and if someone can I dance like, and they can sing, and he could dance, and like, like, but well, here's the thing though. I just, first of all, you know, if you're going to do it, at least make it look like they're high school kids, not, you know, yeah, the parents it. of high school kids. <laughs> and, you know, they probably, you know, they probably shouldn't be my size. It's called high school reunion. There are still, <laughs> still a lot of kids out there that look forward to seeing that. 
the high school. I mean, I never got into it, of course. I'm 32, but, you know, a lot of the 11 and 12-year-olds. You just can't seem to escape it. No matter where you are, it just keeps cropping up. It's like, let it die. Let it die already. But um, And then we uh, we actually had a very, very nice lunch at the Hollywood Brown Derby. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'd like to go back a second. I'd like to revisit. You said something about Mama Melrose. You enjoyed it? I did. Walter didn't. Walter didn't like his... Uh, did you buy something? Did you order something with red sauce on it? Mama Mel's Rose, what did I get? I can't remember. Um, okay, I don't remember. Fail restaurant review. I don't remember. <laughs> did you like Brown Derby? No. My so chicken was undercooked. He doesn't like anything. Well, no, I'm usually not that hard to please when it comes to eating. That. Oh, well, who are you kidding? <laughs> if it tastes You okay. are the pickiest, no, pickiest that was, human being that was just on not, God's that was not green earth. He orders like, chicken, and then he's pulling the skin off of it, and he's pulling this and that <laughs> off of it. And I'm like, why do you want a chicken if you're not going to eat the chicken? <laughs> and or if it's not cooked properly, send it back. Tell the server, because we had had this great server. The rest of us had a wonderful meal. She was a good server. You enjoyed the Brown Derby? I I always do. Uh, The last time I was there, I did not have a great meal, but this time... I'm uh, craving the Brown Derby. Do not, under any circumstances, order a milkshake. Yeah. And for some reason, they look good. So Max and I said, okay, we'll get a milkshake. It has nothing to do with ice cream. It is obviously ice, milk, and chocolate syrup. Because every bite you take crunches because it's not ice cream. It's all... Chiseled up ice. Yeah, it was nasty. It was, it was nasty. Well, the other thing I want to mention is that uh, if you are going to be in Hollywood Studios for Star Wars weekends, you need to make priority seatings for these restaurants. Um, uh, 50s Prime Time was not accepting walk-ins. We went at noon, uh, a little before noon, to uh, – no, it was right after noon to uh, Brown Derby, and we were fortunate that we could get a 140 seating. Um, So it is really important that you make priority seatings if you're planning to eat at any of the sit-down restaurants, Mama Melrose, 50s Primetime Cafe, Sci-Fi Dine-In, or the Hollywood Brown Derby. The Hollywood Brown Derby, as I said to these guys, was going to be our best chance because of the price. Hollywood and Vine also, the buffet. Hollywood and Vine. Brown Brown Derby was the day of... uh, Star Wars weekend? Yeah, that Friday. An hour and 40 minutes isn't bad. No. And the service was wonderful. The food was excellent. My food was excellent anyway. Um, did you all have a Cobb salad? I did. She did. Very good. She did. Um, so I, uh, what, what did I, I had a, a, a butternut. Well, I had the pork chop, but I had the. Uh, I love the pork chop. The butternut. Was the it? Corn chowder. The corn chowder was. Did the pork chop come with that, um, the red cabbage and stuff? The, with the napa cabbage. And the spatula? Yeah. The what? The little noodles. That's what it was the last time I was there, that pork chop. Well, the pork chop was really good. (laughs) I wasn't reviewing it, so I wasn't really paying attention to all the details. I can just tell you that I cleaned my plate, both the appetizer and the main course. Are you dying? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So that was great. And honestly, you know, I I really did enjoy, even though it was crowded and it was hot, uh, I really did enjoy Star Wars weekends. I really did. And I would say, you know, with the character greeting areas that – Last year when I went, that was the only thing I had to compare it to, that when one character left, another one came. And it seemed like when we were going around, like one character would leave and 10 or 15 minutes later, the next character would be there. So be aware that when you're in line, the character you think you're maybe going to see may not be the one you see by the time you get up there. Right. And bring sunscreen. And, you know, yeah, would it kill Disney to put any of these lines 
in this, in some kind just of put shade. some kind of shade over it. Everything, every place we were, these lines were all in the sun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, come on. You know, it's not that they don't know to do it. It's just they won't do it. It's it's funny you should mention that. We were at Disney. Now, this was last year. And I was shocked by the apathy about the uh, for the people in line. We were in what turned out to be an absolutely torrential downpour. And it's hard for me to explain, but there was a queue undercover. And they never told people to get into that queue they allowed them to line up out into the rain yeah and i think well i finally took it upon myself and i went over and i went go down that line you keep moving and i directed traffic so that everybody in line was now under the overhead under the cover and i thought first of all i can't believe none of you were smart enough to do this but um (laughs) but i can't believe that disney didn't say listen come in out of the rain or let's make this line snake under the shades yeah. so right. people aren't just- burning to a crisp. So, all right. Well, that will do it for our discussion of Star Wars weekends this year. We'll also do it for our show. We are going to close out our show with Dave Parfit's interview with D. Bradley Baker, the voice behind Captain Rex in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show, folks. We'll be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged. So, have a great week, and remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Here's Dave Parfit. Greetings, everyone. This is David Parfit, Senior Correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. Spring is here. Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival is ending. And it's time for the next big event on the Disney calendar, Star Wars Weekends. This is an annual event at Disney's Hollywood Studios, celebrating the Star Wars movie saga, as well as Star Wars The Clone Wars. The fan event begins May 21st, which, by the way, is also the 30th anniversary of Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. It runs for four consecutive weekends through June 13th. The first weekend, May 21st through 23rd, will send in the clones for a fete for fete. Tamura Morrison, Daniel Logan, and Dee Bradley Baker will be the celebrity guests celebrating the 30th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Dee Bradley Baker is the voice of all the clone troopers in Star Wars The Clone Wars, including the popular Captain Rex and Commander Cody. And today it is my pleasure to be joined on the show by voice actor Dee Bradley Baker. Dee, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Ah, it's my pleasure. Good talk. Is this your first time attending Star Wars Weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios? I, I haven't been out to Disney for a while. I worked at Epcot Center for a good four and a half years from 89 to 93, I believe it was. Did you uh, really? And what was your role there? I opened up a show, a, a health-related sketch comedy show called The Anacomical Players. Okay. Um, I started working out there doing that show at the Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot. Yep. And then from there, I went on to do a lot of the shows at the World Showcase and uh, the kind of traveling storyteller trunk shows that they had in England and France and Italy. Okay. Uh, and they also had briefly a really great little musical in Canada, that uh, a little melodrama musical with Future World Brass that was very funny. Uh, so I was doing all those shows. I also opened up the Beetlejuice character, the walk-around character at Universal Studios when that opened up. Okay. Right when I was there. I did a lot of shows for Sac Theater in town, uh, improv shows with Wayne Brady, and, and I also did theater. In town. I, I was Coney in West Side Story <laughs> at the Orlando uh, Civic Theater, and Took uh, voice lessons with Manny Lujan, who's a really great singing teacher out there. I got married while I was there, too. My girlfriend, now wife, followed me out there. And so a lot happened for me. It was really, a, it was a lot of fun. I really had a, a good experience out there. Yeah, it does sound like it was a really formative time for you then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a real springboard. 
And then I also got my first series, which was Legends of the Hidden Temple for Nickelodeon, okay. where I did the voice of Olmec, and, and that got me thinking about maybe moving to Los Angeles. And I came and checked it out, and some, some agent who was starting up a, a voiceover department said, yeah, we'll sign you, kid. And so I came back and, and gave my, uh, my resignation, and, and two weeks later, my wife and I were driving out to Los Angeles. <laughs> we just dropped it all and came out here. Wow, good for you. Well, you haven't been to the Star Wars weekends at Hollywood Studios. Many other people from Clone Wars have appeared and, and will be appearing this year. Have you talked to them at all about what to expect? Uh, yeah, I, I talked to Ashley a little bit and, and uh, James uh, Arnold Taylor, Ashley Eckstein. Eckstein and, and, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very, it's very exciting. It's a really nice match because when I was out there and the Star Tours ride was going on, it seemed like a kind of a, a universe that fit well with the Disneyland and the Disney World thing. It sounds like it's a lot of fun, too. And I think I'm it, looking forward to it. I think it may be a little bit different than other fan festivals like Comic-Con. They really build themselves as being very fan-friendly as well, or family-friendly. Oh, great. It's a real wild mixed bag like it, at Comic-Con. Uh, which I also really love. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen the um, the Star Wars show they have out here, the live show at Disneyland out in Anaheim, and it, it really impressed me. I thought it was a, a real fantastic take on it. That was a lot of fun. That worked very well for Disney, but that really held very well with the Star Wars universe. I thought, I thought it worked uh, just great. You voice the entire clone army. How do you go about personalizing the voices so that the clones are more individualized? Could you give us an example of the different clone voices? Well, I mean, a way to do it is take, like, the basic voice like that. And then you can have one who's a little bit a little bit rougher around the edges. Or you could have one who's maybe a little bit more of an officer, who's more of a, um, a little more uh, uh, educated and proper, if you will. It's it's just it's just little flavorings like that. It doesn't take very much yeah. that will give a different appearance to, to the clones vocally. Sure. So you get a sense of the individuality of them then as you're as you're developing the voices. Yeah, I mean I think it's really key. In addition to your voice work on Star Wars the Clone Wars, you can also be heard on American Dad, Ben Ten Alien Force, SpongeBob yep. SquarePants, Phineas and yep. Ferb, Handy Manny, and also in the feature film Furry Vengeance. Yeah, that's coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did most all the animal sounds in that. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Is it difficult doing voices for so many different franchises at the same time? It's the great thrill of my career to get to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a vocal database of these characters and sounds dial up. It's a lot of fun, and, and it really just just feels like fun to me is, is all it is, whether I'm doing the evil super villain who's just human or doing the creature sounds in Star Wars or, or the uh, or the Nickelodeon series Avatar. That's one of my favorite shows that I've ever done right there, uh, where I did mostly all the creatures in that. Uh-huh. And I, I love I love the great variety that I have as an actor, even on a daily basis. I, I can't <laughs> I, I just cannot believe the 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 range of characters that I get to do as a voice actor. It's really really gratifying and really fun. As an on camera actor I'd never get to do that. Oh that's great. Is it difficult at all transitioning from family-friendly Disney fair to the more adult-oriented projects like American Dad, or do you approach them all the same way? You know, it's all acting to me. It all feels the same. My life as a performer has been doing every kind of performing I can possibly and legally do. (laughs) So it's everything from, I mean, I've done 
musicals, children's theater, stand-up, operas, summer stock Shakespeare, improv, stand-up comedy, theme park, Christmas caroler. I've done so many different kinds of, of performing, and it all feels it all feels in a way the same to me. It, it, it's all acting and live performing, and it's all fun. So it's not a great effort to conjure that up. It, it's just kind of what I'm used to doing as an actor. <laughs> Klaus from American Dad. That may be one of your most recognizable characters right now. So, well, I hope it is for the grown-ups, not for the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so how much input did you have in the creation of that character? Oh, that's a great question. That character was originally written as French. Is that right? It was, uh, it was a French with Frenchisms, and, and, and it was like, you know, sexy French loves the mother. That kind of thing. It's really the mom. I mean, for me, I studied German. I was a philosophy major in college, practically a minor in German. And the traditional I, 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 background I, I, for voice acting, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it, that's exactly right. Well, I'm not a trained actor. I've just, I, I've just done performance all of my life. That's right. Uh, in, a, in a way, training can actually get in the way of being a professional at anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so I had this weird take. I thought, look, this is going to be a lot funnier. And maybe more importantly is I can do a funnier job at delivering this character if I do it in German. And so I did it in German. I didn't I didn't read what the copy said. I did it the way I, I knew was the best way that I could do it. And uh, that's my agent trying to call me on the other line, so don't mind the beef. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that's what I did. And because it wasn't the, the writer's original vision, I think there was some pushback among the show creators. But ultimately, in the end, I won out. I was I was really glad I stuck by my, my guns. And they said, yep, we like him better German. It's a weird, kind of an outrageous choice, but that's a show that uh, a weird, outrageous choice can work in. And exactly. So that, was, that, was, that was my calculated risk, and it paid off. <laughs> exactly. You also have a connection to the Disney theme parks as well. I learned in my research that you voiced Captain Jack Sparrow's talking parrot in the newly refurbished yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I'm the parrot. I was in the first Pirates of the Caribbean feature film. I'm also the, the announcer for um, California Screwman, the roller coaster out here at California Adventure. I'm Is the, that right? Yeah, I'm the one that says, you know, face forward, head back, and hang on. Five, four, three, two, one. Before you get shot off uh, onto that fantastic roller coaster. I do that, and I also think I do the Malaboomer. Although I've only done that ride once, and I don't think I can do it again. <laughs> I think they might have taken it out, though, too. <laughs> oh, maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. Could you give us a little sample of what our audience could listen for from Captain Jack's parrot as they ride through the Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, well, that's, you know, that's just... Very nice. You're particularly known in the business for a wide range of animal, alien, and monster sounds. How did you come to specialize in that area? Well, that started with me finding out that that's something that I like to do that people like me doing when I would do stand-up. And in stand-up comedy, it's really great. Well, it's kind of horrible, but it's also great. (laughs) Is that It's this sort of thunderdome, this trial by fire of finding out what works about yourself on a stage in front of people. And I found that one of the things that works about for, for me, is to do weird sounds and odd characters like animals and monsters. And so I I, I just kind of kept pursuing that. And part of why it resonated with me as well is, is because I've always loved monster movies and, and sci-fi and, and fantasy and that kind of stuff since I was a kid. And so, I mean, you know, I was a big Star Wars fan when I was a kid. I, I loved Star Wars. I was really into it. And so that seemed like a good fit. 
And so I just kept doing it, and soon people said, oh, well, he can do the dragon. Oh, well, he can do the alien. Oh, well, he can do, you know, and they just kind of kept uh, throwing me more and more stuff. Yeah. That's part of it is, is that I, I like it. It's not just that I can do it, but that I really like to do it, and I like seeing those movies and TV shows and playing those kinds of games. So doing what you do, being a voice actor, is it, does that change how you watch the movies or watch the series or play the games? Well, ultimately, you become sensitive to your own area of expertise. Correct. I mean, like, I couldn't tell you that that scene was edited poorly, but I can tell you if the, the creatures mixed in a movie, well, there's a certain, there's a certain movie that, that was sort of a post-apocalyptic movie starring Will Smith <laughs> that had, uh, you know, all sorts of creature sounds mixed in there, but it's, but for me, it's like, that just sounds like somebody mixed a pig in with, you know, with people screaming, and that doesn't sound like a monster to me. They should have called me for that. Uh, but, uh, so I, I'm, I'm a little overly sensitive with that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, a movie like The Water Horse, for instance, I would have loved to have had a run at that. Yeah. Uh, I think I could have given them a, a better Water Horse than they had, if, if I do say so myself. But a movie like District 9, for instance, another movie I would have loved to have done the creature effect, but who they got to do it and the way they did it, I thought was just top notch. I thought it was great, and I don't think I could have done... I think I could have done good, but I don't think I could have done any better. So... That one I was happy with. Uh, yeah. District Nine, uh, it might have been my favorite movie of last year. So I'm 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 overly picky and, and maybe overly sensitive. I can I can I can usually tell in a cartoon, for instance, I can tell when it's the animator or the guy from Ink and Paint or you know whoever's working around there at the office that they gave to do a voice because I can just tell that it is it's, it's not nearly as good as it needs to be. But but you know, and also when they hire, they can hire famous people to do voices, and sometimes they're just horrible. I mean, they look good on the press release, but, oh, just a disastrous decision. But there are also, you know, there are famous people who do a very good job at what they do, and it sounds fine, so I can't argue too much there. Right. I mean, it must be a big conflict now. I mean, there's so many of these animated movies that are coming out this day and age, and they've gotten so competitive in their in their market. So it really does seem like the producers are, are struggling to get those names that will bring people into the seats. Yeah, well, that, that's their theory. But you can actually find movies with the famous people in it, either on camera or off, that bomb horribly. And so the whole hypothesis that famous people make people want to go see a cartoon or make children enjoy it more, I, I think is completely false. I think it's utterly wrong-headed, and I think the data would bear that out. I'd, I'd have to agree with you, because it's all about story. If it's a good story and well done... That's what's going to draw people in, and especially yeah, for the kids. Exactly. If it's a good story that's well told with good actors, that's what you need. That That is what you need. Not You don't need famous people. Famous people cost a lot. They're high maintenance, and they're usually really hard to direct. <laughs> and the people who hire them don't realize that until they bring them in, and then it gets really hard. <laughs> I love to hear stories about that, about how hard it was. We brought in this star or that star, and they were high maintenance, and they were hours late, and they walked out early, and, and you know, you couldn't direct them at all. And, oh, I love stories like that, and there's lots of them. <laughs> Sounds like you get a little bit of pleasure in, in that, that. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I do, but ultimately, it's not a real chip on my shoulder because, you know, I feel good about what I do, and people hire me because I, I'm good at it. And frankly, Kevin Costner can't make monster sounds. So, <laughs> so I, I think I'm okay there. <laughs> but also, but also for video games and that kind of stuff too. It's, most stars don't want to sit around in a studio. They find it, they consider it demeaning. I guess not all of them, but I've, I've heard a lot of them do. They just don't like sitting around in a studio. It's not the, 
glamorous enough. I'm sure. I can definitely see that. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I do have one request, though. My nine-year-old daughter is a huge SpongeBob fan, and oh, yeah. she would love to, to hear a voice, if you would, from SpongeBob. <laughs> I do a lot of voices on SpongeBob, and most of them, nobody would know who the heck they are. I'm, uh, I do Perch Perkins, Action News. I do, I do Old Man Jenkins. Often I'm a cop fish. I'm a little kid. I'm, I'm a guy who's ordering a Krabby Patty. You always hear that kind of voice in there often. I was Kevin No Pickle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, that was bubble bath. <laughs> I'm getting them mixed up now. Uh, yeah, so it's a little different every single episode on that. Oh, I'm also uh, Squilly and Fancy Fun in the show, Squidward's uh, nemesis. Okay. Um, so there, there's, there's a few for well, your daughter. Uh, well, you say <laughs> that... Black, you love SpongeBob, I do too. I was going to say, you say that she wouldn't know, but, uh, but my daughter would know. They would know. <laughs> the kids oh, know. Oh, good, good, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful show. I mean, that's just, uh, that's, that's modern vaudeville in animated form right there. It's just a, it's a great show. I'm very proud to be a part of it. There you go. Well, this has been David Parfit, Senior Correspondent for the Diz Unplugged, talking with voice actor D. Bradley Baker, who will be appearing May 21st through 23rd at Disney's Hollywood Studios for Star Wars Weekends. Thank you, D. Good to talk to you.